everyone, it's Chloe, and I'm so excited to share something fabulous with you, Vogue's first ever global fashion community, Vogue Club. Our members get to mingle with Vogue editors, yes, including me, and fellow fashion enthusiasts at exclusive events around the world. And that's just the start. Membership opens doors to the fashion industry, bringing you expert career advice and insider style and beauty tips. What are you waiting for? Head over to Vogue.com membership to join. And here's a little treat. Use code TRT20 and snag 20% off your membership. That's TRT20 for 20% off your ticket to Vogue Club. Are you in? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Run Through, and I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. Later in the show, our Vogue friends Jose Crialas Unzueta and Naomi Elize are going to talk about some emerging designers that we are all very excited about, not to mention the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund finalists and winner. But first, our friend Carla Martinez de Salas is a force. Yes, I mean, I hear she boxes with you, no? We do. Carla and I actually really became friends when over 10 years ago we joined our friend Ricky uh, to get in shape before her wedding. And we would do a group <laughs> boxing class at six in the morning twice a week. And it was so much fun. And I still go to that boxing studio. And we recently uh, reunited when she was here for Fashion Week. And that was a delight for everyone involved. One, one. This is the sound of Carla Martinez. Punching at Punch Force Fitness with Nunu, the owner of the gym. A big reunion. Right, and outside of the ring, she's the head of Vogue Mexico and Latin America. Potentially more important, <laughs> she also does that. In Sorry, addition to being to mention that. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> she also runs marathons and a huge magazine. Yes, marathons and magazines. <laughs> and as a mother of twins, I honestly don't know how she does it. I know. She's one of those. Yeah. Uh, Carla also loves to chat, which we <laughs> love. Does. We booked the studio for an hour at it 90 doesn't... minutes plus. We're like, okay, we got we to go, Carla. <laughs> so we have edited this down for clarity. <laughs> I mean, what I love is that in the new issue... There's this incredible feature about Mexico with Mexican models, fashion and cultural luminaries. And it was just really great unpacking all of that with her because she's been running that magazine for how many years now? Six years. Six years. And this feature is was a real labor of love between Carla's team and 
U.S. Vogue's team. Celebration of Mexico City, but it's also time to the Day of the Dead, which is a big day. In Mexico, um, Max Ortega, who is Mexican, styled it and did a beautiful job. And the photographer, Chivo, photographed it. So it's a really a gorgeous spread and has a lot of wonderful moments that are tracking what's exciting in Mexico City today. Mm. And so here's Carla. We are so happy to have you here. I have a lot of questions, but first, are there other Latin American Vogues or just Vogue Mexico? So there's Vogue Mexico, which is one magazine, which is a great question because a lot of people didn't realize that we close two magazines each month. And then we produce a Latin American issue that goes to every country in Latin America aside from Brazil and Mexico. It's a big region to cover. Big region. And if you think about it, they're in spring. We're in fall. And right. so it's, you know, even the pronunciation of things that we say, like we have to what we call tropicalize it. So we change the way you say handbag, the way you say sweater. That's so interesting. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I never thought of the fact that like Argentina, Chile, all Peru, Colombia have completely they have the opposite seasons. Yeah, so- they have the opposite season. Like Colombia, for example, is you know, seasonless almost. Like in Bogota, it's always raining and like 60 degrees. What about like hemisphere. cultural taste? Like I would imagine that Argentinians are interested in slightly different people than maybe people are in Mexico City. Yes. I mean, they have like a lot of their big celebrities. So we do cover them. Like we did this girl, Maria Becerra, for the February issue. And for Mexico, we did Sofia Reyes. They're two famous young pop stars okay. in um, one Mexico and one in Argentina. I feel like Latin music, a lot of it is, you know, we share a lot of the common singers, for example, you know, like Luis Miguel, people know in Mexico, and they'll do like a tour. And and it's interesting to see like, there's, I don't know if you've heard of that band, RBD, which is RBD. Sounds so much better in Spanish. (laughs) They started in um, Argentina as as like a soap opera, and then kind of like a girl band. Like an original one. And they have huge numbers. And they started their tour in El Paso a few weeks ago and mm-hmm. have been touring the United States. And it's wildly successful. So it's interesting to see the people that resonate kind of across Latin America. <laughs> I want to know what your most resonant covers have been. The first one that really kind of resonated was Lenacy Montero, who's mm. Dominican. She's been on my cover a couple of times, but the first time she wore her hair um, in her natural Afro curly hair. And she said that the response in Dominican Republic, which is a country where people burn their hair daily just to straighten it. And it wasn't something that they saw in fashion magazines. And and so she was really excited. She said that the response that she got of, thank you for wearing your hair naturally curly. I can be on the cover of Vogue Mm. with my natural curls. Mm. And so that one, for sure, Yalita, who's the first um, indigenous woman on the cover of she was the Vogue across in the planet Roma. in Roma, yes, and she still has huge numbers for us. I mean, really, when we do events and invite her, I can't even the line to meet her are out the door. That's I mean, amazing. And then we did an amazing cover with Tim Walker with um, Arca, the Venezuelan oh, that singer. That was beautiful. Yeah. Tim Walker Hess wrote that one, right? Yeah. We did a cover with a mushef, which is the third gender in a certain area of Mexico and Oaxaca, mm. a certain town in Oaxaca, 
where there's a, they call it the third gender. Um, I think this year we've done great covers. I think we just shot J-Lo. We shot Cardi B, which was really fun. And she was actually also another one that wanted to wear her hair naturally curly. She looks fantastic. She seems like a lot of fun. What's she like in person? She is fun. She's tiny. She's like a force. You know, she's like this tiny little woman with, you know, strong opinion. And we did an in the bag video with her. And, you know, what is she carrying in her bag? Vapor rub. Vaporu, which is like if you're Latina, any Latina that's listening will know that like your mom puts it on you for basically anything. Like you're like sick, Vicks vapor you rub? get vapor rub. <laughs> like you put it under your nose, everything. It's it's like the solution to everything. <laughs> and she smells it. She carries it in her bag at all times because it might smell and she doesn't want to be rude. But everyone was fascinated by not only what she had in her bag, but that she spoke Spanish. And I didn't that's know really that. interesting. Like even J Lo's videos she did in Spanish, and people are like, I've never heard her speak Spanish. And that mm. when I tell you the amount of comments that we get of so excited that this person spoke Spanish, didn't know she spoke Spanish. That's like something that people really love and appreciate. Carla, tell us about how you grew up speaking Spanish. My dad was a doctor, and my mom's from a very small town in Mexico, and my dad was from the capital of that state. So they get married, and all of a sudden, he's like, guess what? We're moving to the U.S. I was accepted to a residency program. My mom was like, but we don't speak English. And so they moved to Orlando, and then they moved briefly to New York, and then we moved to Memphis, Tennessee. And then when I was in third grade, we moved to El Paso. Hmm. My parents said— at home, you speak Spanish. Okay. We don't speak English. And so I feel like that was really good. And I know why a lot of parents don't speak to their children in Spanish and they don't enforce it. And it I think that's the, the, the case of a lot of immigrant yeah. communities. Parents who don't want to speak their own language to their kids, they don't want to confuse and they also want them to be able to assimilate more easily. Exactly. And I feel like my parents really didn't care <laughs> if we, well, that's you, know, a gift. you know, they just wanted to instill their culture in us. And every summer, my mom would send us to her sister's house okay. in Mexico. And we would spend like a month and a half there. So that was really good. And so I always had this connection. And then we moved to El Paso. And I remember before we moved, my brother used to call my sister Claudia Caca, which means poop. <laughs> and guessed it. <laughs> and uh, my mom told him, Carlos, when we moved to El Paso, you can't call her caca anymore because people understand what that is because El Paso's, I think, more than 50 percent um, Hispanic. And so he stopped calling her that. And, um, and in El Paso, almost everyone speaks Spanish. So did you study fashion? You like you knew? No. OK. I, I, my dad was like, you know, I think you should do something in business. And I kind of listened to him and I studied marketing, which probably everything I learned is somewhat irrelevant, right, in 2023. Um, And I went to University of Arizona, and my sophomore year, my friend Loretta, whose mom worked at, like, the retail store in El Paso, like, the one store that had, like, good jeans, you know? (laughs) She said to me, oh, my mom got me an internship at Nicole Miller. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do this summer? My dad can't get me an internship anywhere, aside from, like, maybe Pfizer, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which would be exciting now, but and so I, you know, I grabbed an issue of W, and I literally called 
different designers no. in the magazine. Yeah, yeah, like the numbers. And I called AFS Showroom, which then had oh, like yeah. Moschino, Moschino already. Yeah. I'm sorry, they listed the phone numbers in yes. W? Yeah, yeah, in the advertising. I am sure you can probably still find them. I don't know. We should look through. Yeah, I didn't know that. And I picked up the phone, and the girl that picked up was like, I'm the receptionist. How can I help you? And I said, oh, I'm calling. I want an internship. She's like, where do you go to school? I said, University of Arizona in Tucson. I said, yeah. She goes, I'm from Tucson. Oh, my God. Uh, And What are the chances? Like, what are the chances? And she said, let me pass on your resume. They called me, and they (laughs) said, can you come up for an interview? And I was like, yeah, of course I can. Meanwhile, it was like not the age of travel that it is now. I mean, now it's like— Oh, my God. They wanted you to come from Tucson to New York? To New York. And so I called my mom, and my mom was like, who do I know in New York? It was like one of her friends from Orlando. And she (laughs) called one of her friends from Orlando who had a daughter that lived in New York. And she's like, can Carla come stay with you? And I stayed on my parents' friend's— Couch. Her name's Canty Gross on Broadway and like 70 something. Her and her her boyfriend at the time. Can you imagine? Oh my God, I love like it. Now, I feel like I don't know if people still do that. This is a crazy <laughs> internship story. And so I went, I came from my interview and I got the. Um, you got the internship. Yeah. So you went on to work for IMG Models and also W Magazine and L Magazine, just just to name a few. And then you landed at Vogue and you assisted Virginia Smith? Yes. And it was. The most fun time. Who was with you at it the time? The stylists were Grace Coddington, Tawny Goodman, Phyllis, Phyllis Posnick, Camilla Nickerson, and then and then Elisa Santizi. So there were five of them. I remember hearing stories about this uh, group of women working at the time. And I, f- I feel like it's Virginia said this maybe at a speech for you or for someone where it was like, Carla had this amazing magical ability to— be at her desk when I would leave on Friday afternoon and at her desk on Monday morning, but have gone, like, across the world over the weekends, <laughs> like, for a wedding and, like, just be constantly was having the most fun, but always at work <laughs> somehow. Like, I was always at work. My God, I remember I was so excited to be there. I mean, I was from El Paso. Like, someone asked me, actually, one HR woman said to me, how does a girl from El Paso, Texas, come to want to move to New York and work in fashion? And I was like, what kind of a question is that? And I <laughs> didn't understand rude. her, like, undertone that yeah. she was getting yeah. at at the time because I was just so enamored by the city and, and yeah. the industry. But she was getting at the fact that there was a certain profile for women that wanted to work in fashion, right? They came from probably a very good school or rich, white, blonde. Yeah. And I was this, you know, curly-haired Mexican girl from El Paso. So I remember you telling me that you had twins right before starting your role at Vogue Mexico, which to me, having twins at any time sounds insane. But that that was in 2016, right? 2016. My twins were six months when I started. Wow. I started on Cinco de Mayo. Oh, my God. Which is not a holiday in Mexico. Um, <laughs> it's been great. I mean, I have to say, in the beginning, it was it was tough because people think that you just go to Vogue and the doors of the kingdom, of the fashion kingdom open, and that is not the case. Mm. You know, there were so many photographers that would say, no, I don't want to work with you guys yet. Let's see how it goes. You know, models were difficult to cast, because, you know, they weren't ready to do 
Latin America or Mexico. It wasn't a priority market for them. Because what was Vogue Mexico like before you took over? Was it much more sort of siloed? It was siloed. It was a good magazine. There were a lot of international covers. Mm -hmm. A lot of the content was syndicated from the U.S. and Spain. Um, How much is syndicated now? Now we're doing about 50, 60. I'm looking at Choma. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it's a different sort of syndication. Okay. Um, Now I think it's more planned and before you could could take different stories, which you still can. But it was was a nice magazine. It was just more, you know, a lot of European, a lot of American models, a few Latina models. And that's something that I started – seeing was that in Mexico, you had a lot of foreigners on the covers. And, you know, we would ask for like a Gigi Hadid and they'd say, no, you can't have Gigi. You know, it's not it's not right for her to do Mexico just yet. Oh, I heard it all. And then they would say, but I'll give you this girl. And, you know, it might have been another kind of big Instagram girl that was, you know, American or European. But I felt like they were getting what they wanted. And I wasn't getting Mm. what I wanted. So I started seeing that there were all these, like, young, fresh faces on the runway, like, young Latinas. And we said, why don't we put these Latina girls on the cover? Such a great idea. But even – and no one really talks about this, but the modeling industry is tough, too. You know, even to get, like, Lenacy took me months of talking to her agent and saying – can we please have her? She's a Dominican model. Mm. She's not getting the cover of another magazine. Like, why right. can't she do Mexico and Latin America? When was the tipping point when you'd established, like, this is my vision, this is what I'm going to do? And I think more so in 2017. Right. And there were, of course, like the stylists and the agents that really believed in what we were doing. Mm. And I'm always forever grateful mm. for those people yeah. because, you know— they are the ones that took the chances and, yeah. and believed in your product. And so after Lenacy and after we noticed how much engagement she had when, you know, she had 20,000 followers and that people really responded to it, I said, okay, you know, we have to really start supporting this community mm. because if we're not supporting it, who is? Mm. And then we did Camila Cabello, mm. who at the time had just come out with Havana, and she wasn't getting any covers and she wasn't getting any, like, the press that she deserved. Yeah. And that cover did extremely well. Wow. Alexi Lubomirsky shot it. And I remember from that moment just saying, okay, there's all these young Latinas in Hollywood, yeah. in music and we need to really do something. And so from there, I think, I have to say, I think it took until 2018, like two years for people to say, okay, this looks great. We need to do it. And then in 2019, when we did the Yalitza cover, it just exploded. Right. I remember that cover being like a, a real pivotal moment. And it's funny because my boss at the time said, don't put Yalitza on the cover of LATAM. Because she is a Mexican indigenous woman and they're going to feel like she's not Latin America. And I know you're not supposed to regret anything and say that it's a mistake, but I think that was a mistake because it resonated globally. I mean, I had indigenous women in Australia Mm. sending me DMs on Instagram Mm. saying thank you for putting this woman on the cover. It's so important. I think as – you know, an indigenous Mexican woman, it was so powerful. This month is pretty special because there's a global project that you're spearheading. It's great, no? 
It's so beautiful. The shoot is so gorgeous, but also like everything involved in it, all the cultural figures and the the sites that are photographed. I've never been to Mexico City and I'm dying to now go. You have and to now come. I'm just even more desperate. Carla, I want to hear about how this uh package came came about and is it tied to the day of the dead so in mexico when when you die there's a celebratory day where you build these altars mm-hmm. for for your loved ones who have passed away and i would say we're a very spiritual and religious country and so you never really die you're you're always present right and so you build these altars and they have colorful paper mache they have um sempasuchil which is marigold and you put a picture of them you put their favorite things you put a day of the it's dead lovely. bread it's a very beautiful celebration and we've been doing this party that has been really successful and really showing this tradition. And so, you know, globally, we started talking about it in January, February to do something. And I think after Seoul and after um, Tokyo. Those were other uh, those international were other, packages celebrating a seat. Exactly. And so Mexico felt like the natural choice. And Max Ortega, who is Mexican and a stylist at Vogue, said, you know, I would love to do it with um, Emmanuel Lubezki, Chivo Lubezki. I couldn't believe that. Who's an amazing cinematographer. I mean, he's like Terrence Malick's secret magician. I I just think that was amazing that he photographed it. We said we want to talk about, you know, up-and-coming talent. And I think people go to Mexico City for the food, for the architecture, and, you know, those we wanted to capture those two things and obviously for the art fair and everything that's going on so it was exciting to have max and chivo and see chivo who emmanuel who they call chivo um who lives in la and is now also you know sees mexico from a different point of view from mm. where he grew up so that lens was really interesting and his pictures are just Look like a movie set. They're spectacular. Oh. I loved reading the part of this. They were sort of the model part of the story. And then there were some cultural figures of Mexico City that were part of it. And I loved sort of studying up on that because I didn't know who any of these people are. There's one who was voted the best female chef in the yes, world. Yes, Elena Regadas. So she owns a restaurant called Rosetta. Okay. That's a fusion of Italian-Mexican that's, like, okay. very special. And she has opened up all these bakeries. The guava pastry is amazing. Have you had it? Yes, of course. <laughs> like, it's kind of like a cronut, but instead of it having it, the, the filling is guava and oh. cheese. It's oh. It's amazing. And then you had Renata Peterson, who's a young artist who collaborated with Celine two seasons ago for the men's show. She does, like, punk pottery? Yes, punk pottery. Okay. And these really interesting sculptures that I almost bought one, and then I realized they were, like, kind of like a bar cart with these sculptures that were our dildos. And I said, I don't know if I can have these around my (laughs) seven-year-olds at this particular stage (laughs) in their life. She's really talented. And— just different people that I think are really doing interesting things in yeah. Mexico City. Well, like uh, Frida. Frida Escobedo, who's building the new pavilion at the Met. Which is so cool. Yeah, and she's fantastic. She's an architect. She's an architect. She's lovely. She's so talented. And part of this new wave of architecture in Mexico that's having an exciting moment. Thank you, Carla. Thank you. Bye. The run-through will be back in just a moment. 
I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills, or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes, and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrances and handbags. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas, like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macy's.com slash gift finder to shop. That's Macy's.com slash giftfinder today. And we're back. I'm Naomi Alize, market editor at Vogue. And I'm Jose Creadisunzueta, fashion news writer at Vogue Runway. Naomi, everything feels heavy. Very heavy. I feel. Everything feels heavy. We've, we've had a lot of conversations about this offline. And we're also coming off a very long month and a half when it comes to, for fashion. Jose, I'm unwell. I'm like sick. Yeah. This last week really kicked my butt. Kicked your butt. So for context, um, Fashion Month recently ended, the spring 2024 season. And then we went straight into Forces of Fashion, our annual conference, which was so fun. Very fun. But it's also a very long day. Um, so yeah, last week was a long <laughs> week. But, you know, it was great. And I somehow managed to go to like four events after Forces. I, I don't know. know how I did it that. It was like club, buzz, club, another club, no sleep. <laughs> but, you know... Again, I think we're going to do what we do best here, which is just bring some levity, talk about culture, talk about the things that are exciting. So what are you excited about this week? So I know we were talking about this a little bit before, but I'm obsessed with this current Telfar campaign that he has out with us and little Kim. (laughs) So good. It's so good. And she looks so good. And also they just released more that I believe Essence did um, with Young Miami. Oh, really? Morris I Chestnut. One. I'm screaming. I could show you right now. Yeah, I'm screaming. <laughs> like, <laughs> Pulling up the laptop. <laughs> it's so fab. All of our so campaigns smart. are iconic. They're yeah. all so good. Instant, like, viral. He just really gets it. Do you have any, like, Telfer Ugg? 
pieces? I have a few, actually. Okay. I have mainly the small bags, the little Telfar yes, Ugg bags. Yes, that one's so cute. I really want the Ugg, like, Ugg yeah, shoes. Yeah, I want the shoe, too. It's so good. Because I wear Uggs. Listen, I rolled yeah. up two Period. forces of fashion in Uggs, so... <laughs> Listen, you heard it here first from your book editor. You wear Uggs. You wear Uggs. Um, speaking of icons fronting campaigns, oh. Maggie's myth for Lueve, which I thought was... Legendary. <laughs> that was like I wanted to cry. I'm <laughs> so obnoxious. Speaking of unwell, <laughs> I love Harry Potter. Listen, I have my wand back at home. Period. I know this may come as a shocker to some. I definitely thought I was gonna get like a little note from Hogwarts when I was thirteen. Listen. It did not come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard it here first. Breaking news: Naomi contains multitudes. I feel like we need to give you some context. Naomi and I have known each other for a long time long now. Time. <laughs> we, were, we were friends pre-Vogue, which not everybody has that. Yeah. Um, I honestly think this Lueve campaign is so iconic. One, I think what Jonathan Anderson does with Jurgen Teller for all these campaigns is so interesting because it's quoted like the idea of a real person. Yeah. But these also are always like larger than life people. And like every campaign, there's like... You think it's like, oh, it's only Maggie and it's like 20 people. Like right, I was going through right. it and it's like Josh O'Connor, like Mike Feist, Greta Ali. Yeah. Like it's so interesting. But the Maggie one is the one that everyone's talking about. And I love how he also just like speaks to these little pockets of pop yes. culture that you would never even think about that. Like if you know, you know. Exactly. Like seeing Maggie, I was like, this actually makes so much sense. It's, so, <laughs> it's such a deep cut, but also not a deep cut. But it's also, as you say, it just makes sense. And she looks so fab. She looks so good. And like, I believe it. I believe that she would be like in Moon Guardian Leviosa. <laughs> Out of her puzzle bag. <laughs> We were we were in this meeting earlier at digitalmeeting4.com and like Chloe Mal said this and she was like it's interesting because it's almost like Joan Didion for Celine mm -hmm. you know which I find fascinating but I also feel like Maggie just is a little bit less esoteric of a character yeah and it just like speaks to both like women her age to women in general but also to like fans of Harry Potter to like the people those of us who grew up watching her yeah. people you know it's just like so iconic it's generational exactly that's so such a cool way to think about mm -hmm. it but speaking of Phoebe and Celine <laughs> oh my god she's dropping her collection on Monday the 30th i need to like re up all my credit cards <laughs> <Period>. <laughs> Just between us girls, when we're, <laughs> when we're talking about like what we're going to discuss today, we're like, is there anything else to say about the new Phoebe? And mm. I think the only thing there is to say is like, girl, we want to see it. Yeah, like, I just we, do. we just really need to see it. We need to see what it's like. And that anticipation is killing me too because I'm like so scared of like, what if we see it and it's not living up to what I'm imagining? Right. Yeah. Like, so I'm trying to really step away and not think too much about mm -hmm. it. So then I set myself up for a very fair love, <laughs> for a very fair assessment. <laughs> assessment, literally. And then that will also help me in the long run because I won't automatically put everything in the cart Period. and then, you know, spend my entire wedding budget on Phoebe. <laughs> Um, but we were talking about Forces of Fashion earlier. Yes. And, I mean, the headline from Forces of Fashion was that we announced the winner of the CFD Evoke Fashion Fund, oh. which is very exciting. For additional context, the Fashion Fund was used to be a competition and during the pandemic mm -hmm. it stopped being a competition. The last winner was actually one of our really close friends, yeah. um, Christopher, Christopher. Rogers in 2019. 
And then the following year, through the pandemic, the prize fund was split evenly amongst all finalists. And this year was the first time that we had a, uh, a winner again. Mm-hmm. So who were the winners? Who were the runner-ups? So we have Melita Ballmeister as the winner. Yes. Incredible, incredible talent. I mean, everyone a part of the this year's fashion fund was mm-hmm. incredibly was really talented. I mean, they were all so lovely to work with. And then the runner-ups are Rachel Scott of Diotima and Henry Zankov, Um all very near and dear yes, to our heart. <laughs> exactly. So before we fully get into the fund, what is your role? Because you you played a really big role, like from the magazine side um, within the fashion fund. Can you tell us what you do? Yeah. So in the absence of my incredible colleague, Ali mishler Kopelman, who is on maternity leave, I have been kind of taking over the role of being the liaison between the Vogue and the CFDA and heading up the program on the Vogue side. Um, just, you know, keep everything streamlined, get all the judges together, get mm-hmm. all the designers together. It's a lot of wrangling and seeing where everybody's at to make yeah. it in time for the events. It's basically like being a big sister to them I in a that. way. Um, I mean, you are a great big sister, period. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm technically the youngest, I know. but I have nephews, <laughs> But yeah. I basically act like their sister, mm-hmm. not their aunt. <laughs> yep. What is the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund like? If you could, if you could give us a, a, a an explainer. Yeah. So it, the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund it was created post nine eleven back in two thousand and three to essentially boost up this emerging talent and to also reinvigorate the New York fashion scene Mm -hmm. to give a lot of these designers a space in which that they can grow and, you know, find mentorship, find community within their fellow designers that are within the finalist. um, And also with the judges to give them access to these in like incredible industry leaders. What's really important about the Fashion Fund is that it's the CFDA and Vogue coming together to support the next generation of designers, Mm -hmm. right? And like, for our listeners, the winner um, gets $300,000 mentorship, and the runner-ups get $100,000 each. Yes. Um, it really allows a designer the opportunity to, like, go, like, level up. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's quite exciting. I mean, if you think of the names that have been a part of the fund or have either won or been runner-ups, Joseph Altazara, mm-hmm. um, the Prenza boys, right? Like yes, Prenza boys. Emily Bodie, everyone loves Bodie. Chris. Um, <clears throat> Christopher John Aurora Rogers. James. Telfar. Telfar. James. Yeah, like, you know. Public school. Public school, exactly. <laughs> like, Colleen Estrada was a finalist her, like, yeah. at her time. You know, you name an, an, an American designer that you love and that you've seen on the pages of Vogue, mm-hmm. and they've gone through the fund. So it's a really important tool to not only, like, identify the next generation of talent, but also support yeah. it. Um, but let's get into our winners. Can you talk about Melita? Like, what? how would you describe her clothes? I love <laughs> Melita. And it is so funny because I remember before fully meeting Melita, in my head I thought she would be kind of shy. And I don't know. And, and then when I met her, she was just this bubbly, truly one-of-a-kind mm-hmm. person. And you just see it within her designs. She's been in the game for almost 10 years yeah. um, and has truly created a lane of her own um and she she has such a distinct point of view as a designer that you you just have to really really appreciate and love and you know for her clothes they almost look like sculptures there's a lot of lumps and bumps but it 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 feels still very sexy Mm -hmm. in a way like you feel confident and you don't you don't or you're not outwardly like showing x amount of skin but it it holds this sense of confidence that you just feel like beautiful and you feel also very special 
Like um, and also you can social distance in them too. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> it's giving stay away from me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what one of the things that I remember about Melita, like from when she first started is um, from her first collection, I think it was her graduate collection was maybe from Parsons. Mel Ottenberg pulled a coat that Rihanna wore. Yes. And that was kind of like the beginning. And then Lady Gaga Lady wore a Gaga, coat. Yeah. Yes. And then it just sort of like became this thing. What's really interesting, as you say, is like she created a lane on her own with her very like sculptural um, silhouettes, but also with her material innovation. I mean, and it's it's fun because, as you say, she's been in the business for 10 years, mm-hmm. right? I can't wait to see what's <laughs> next too. for I'm her. So excited. It's, she is also just insanely innovated with her social media tactics mm-hmm. too. Yes, the videos fun. she posted, her her presentation was yes. super, like it. Highly recommend everyone to really take a a look at Melita's um, page. Yeah, I agree. And then our runner ups, um, Rachel Scott from Diotima and Harry Zang- Henry Zanko from Zankov, who are. Our friends, yeah. but they're also best friends, yeah. which I think is so cute. <laughs> well, it's funny. Throughout the entire <laughs> program, Melita, Henry, and Rachel were always together. <laughs> I love that. It's so cute. And I kept looking at that. I'm like, if only they knew. Like, yeah. Towards the end when I, what, when we found out, and I'm like, they are about to yeah. just laugh this out. When they were announced, um, you could see like they, they were like, you know, hugging like, Tommy Aurora, yeah. like Tommy Hilfiger, Aurora James, Linda Evangelista, who yeah. was handing out the prizes, and you. And then they were like <laughs> going to hug each other. <laughs> yeah. I have this video, really, really funny video that Rachel posted of like her and Henry just like, you know, just hugging. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, this is so cute. So Henry Zankov. Zankov, he started his label in 2020. Yeah. Um, he is very well known now in New York for his very colorful, vibrant, um, unique knitwear mm-hmm. we love. Um, and what I love about Henry is that he's sort of like a very designer's designer. He was a professor at Parsons. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he's worked with designers his entire career. Like he worked with Donna Karen. He worked at Diane von Furstenberg. He worked with Christopher John Rogers and still does. So it's he's really sort of like helped define like generations of network, right, through his work. And now he he's on the main stage. And he is so innovative with mm-hmm. it. Like just his classic weaving of the pieces and how just how colorful and vibrant. And I also love how in the last two collections, it's been a little bit more sexy and a little bit more like his way of doing Mm -hmm. sexy in terms of knitwear. He redefines how you can wear knitwear, not just through like your fall and winter months, but throughout the entire year through the seasons. Um, and also, you know, we love color. So. Yeah, exactly. We, we certainly <laughs> we <love> do. Color. <laughs> if you see a rainbow running around the Vogue office, it's either Naomi or myself. Literally. It's quite <laughs> we're not, harsh. Yeah, we're not known for our neutrals. <laughs> <laughs> and Rachel Scott, who we love oh, from Diotima. We love Rachel Scott. I wore one of her pieces for my birthday. It's that true. Was one of oh my, my God, favorite. that was yeah. a great dress. Thanks. So Rachel is from Jamaica. Yes. She's based in New York. And she became known for her crochet piece. Really, which she makes in Jamaica, right? Yeah, all of it's produced in Jamaica. And, you know, she also is, I feel like, in the space of tailoring, too, mm-hmm. that's starting to really be known for that and kind of having that those crochet cutouts on the pants and yeah. on your structured blazers and also the embellishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I really feel that Rachel does well is making the fit on the woman's body and and you feeling good in it and you're feeling strong and confident in it because there's so many times where I'll try on a dress or whichever where I'll feel and it kind of doesn't fit properly but 
whenever I go and reach for mm-hmm. one of Rachel's pieces, I know it's going to fit well. I'm going to look good and I'm going to feel good. Period. There's something to say about the female gaze. Yes, there you go. And it's something that I love about her is that she wears her pieces. Mm-hmm. All the time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> like, it's she really wears funny. It down. Yeah, it wears it down. Period. It's so funny. Well, they all, that, three they of all them do. do. I was going to yeah. say, the three of them were wearing their pieces yeah. when they want. And I was like, I love this because you won't see them. In, in, not, anything in anything else. They are their best brand and ambassadors. Even when Melita was doing her mannequin for forces, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, who's who? Because it <laughs> literally, <laughs> it was the same. I was like, this is so fat. I'm screaming. Because it's, it's so, so strong in their DNA that this is this is their person. They they have yeah. their point of view down. And it's, it's just very exciting I to see. I love that. It's really great to see. That's it for the run-through. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. See you next week. The Run-Through with Vogue is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. It's engineered by Jake Loomis and Gabe Kiroga and mixed by Mike Kutchman. See you soon. Bye. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411. And sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.